0: Hey, this is Dylan, and you're listening to Everybody Hurts, the podcast. I'm here with Davis Finney and Connie Carpenter Finney, our tour patrons for the Tour of Socherlandria, the first family of American cycling. They both have storied careers. After he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, Davis had to cope with a new relationship with his body. Davis and Connie, thank you so much for talking to
1: me today. Thank you, Dave.
0: You both have long and glorious careers in cycling, and you've, uh, you've been in some big races. Can you talk about the worst you've ever suffered on a bike.
2: You know, I think I have to start here because I actually had a pretty short cycling career. I only raced for eight years. He raced a lot longer than me. So he has a lot more stories, so I better jump in first. The other thing I would say is that um, suffering is something that you can't really remember. So not accurately. So the problem is, is that if you ask about where, when did you suffer the most? It's pretty hard to isolate because, you you know, Davis has got some good stories and he's told them over and over. So that they're kind of cemented in your brain. But most of the time we as athletes are called upon to talk about our shining moments, not our suffering moments. But there is no winning without suffering and cycling. And so I think for me in general, the, the hardest part of the season was always the early season. And that's the part of the season where mentally, you're just not sure if you're right there. And physically, you're definitely not right there. And so those races are what I was thinking um, were the toughest, you know, where you just really were struggling with every pedal stroke.
0: Because at the upper echelons of the sport, the difference between riders at that level are probably physically pretty negligible. And I would imagine it's the the psychological advantages that kind of give you the edge.
2: Yeah, and I think it's a lot harder now for the pro cyclists because the season's so long. Mm -hmm. They hardly have an off-season. And, you know, if Australia wasn't, you know, in full-on summer during the winter... (laughs) during our winter, excuse me, then you know, you wouldn't have guys coming into the season now just flying, you know, and they have all these races in the Middle East and so, you know, by the time, you know, you start racing, Taylor hasn't started his season yet, for example, he starts it next week. You know some guys have been racing for a month already so the first race is just you just suffer like a dog in the first races of the season absolutely and it is it's mental and physical and your poor body is just going wait what but you know I always argue that you know I had a lot of people during my career who said you know I'm going to make you suffer now you made me suffer so much and I'm like can't make me suffer, because you know what? Hello.
1: Suffering's a choice.
2: Suffering's a choice. You can only make yourself suffer, and uh, it's something that we do less and less frequently now. But um, but it's and I think it's a, it is a choice, and it's a it's a wonderful choice. The fact that you can actually make yourself suffer is kind of an amazing thing.
0: Yeah, Very and good. we just finished stage eight of the twenty seventeen Tour of Sufferlandria and I saw you guys put in some some pretty big efforts. So you still have it in you for sure. <laughs> so looking at, at your career, uh, Davis, can you think about uh, one experience in particular where you didn't know if you were going to get through to the other side, where you really had to go deep into that, that, that dark place, that reserve of, of, of courage, as it were?
1: Well, as a, as a pro sprinter, there were many, many days in the Grand Tours, especially, that I suffered just to make the time limit, and I have a very famous day on on making the time limit in on to us but that was that was more of a revelatory occasion than pure suffering, because I was dropped and basically last on the road with 120 k to go at the bottom of the colt called the Madeleine and this was in the 1990 Tour de France when Taylor had been born three days before the race (laughs) and I flew over to France and arrived the night before the prologue and so I wasn't expected to make more than about 10 days because I didn't have the training or the base preparation, but I was stubborn and I hated to quit. So on day 13, we, we went, had a ride from Dominique to El and I made it over the first climb with the group because thank God the pace was moderate. And then I hit the Madeleine and my legs just had nothing in it. And I, people were passing me like I was a stone in the road. And anyway, and so I, I sweated and, and worked my way up the Madeleine and got to the top, and I was just by myself, and the group was 20 minutes ahead. And so I figured i calculated that I had about 45 minutes with the time limit, and I'd already lost 20 with, with just you know still over 100 k to go, and the cold de Glandon between me and Alpha d'Huez, and so I, I went down the Madeleine and I kind of relaxed because I felt like, well my tour's over, and I'll just enjoy the scenery here in france <laughs> and 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 all the time knowing that there was a feed station at the base of the glendon where i could get in the team car well i got down to the feed zone and i'm looking for a with the 7-eleven fast on and i'm looking and i'm passing more and more teams and i'm passing teams and I'm thinking they didn't even wait for me to quit. But just as as I as I was about to give up, hope that I would even get a feed bag, out steps this swanier with a with a bag that says 7-Eleven printed on it, and I just reach out and grab it and keep going, because it just wasn't in my nature to to quit. I was just second nature to keep going. And so I started up the Glandone and I ate some food and I considered my dilemma of, of missing my opportunity to quit. <laughs> and I, but, but I came to a great realization and one that stood me well all the way through this new Parkinson's journey and that was the, maybe on that particular day in that moment my my race was my victory would be just to to go as hard as i could to the finish and try to make the time limit and just giving my self that, that goal motivated me to 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 stay in the race and put, my, you know, put my energy into the pedals and no debate, no, no change of mind. Just go for it. And I saw a few. I so I started up the climb down, and and I got rolling pretty good. And then I looked up about three switchbacks ahead of me, and I saw another rider. And I thought, oh, if I can just catch that guy, then we'll have two of us together. And the power of two is better than one. And, and I ended up catching him right before the top. And just then a motorcycle gendarme pulls out and, and starts following the two of us. And I thought, great, we've got a gendarme. I've got another rider. I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it. And just as that thought crossed my mind, I hear this bang and I turn and look back and, and the rider I would just caught pulls over with a flat tire and the gendarme stops and I never see either of them again. <laughs> but, but I was committed to my goal and, and so I flew down the Glendone and rode up the valley towards El And El for anyone who's listening, who surely knows is a venerable climb that's just stuffed with with people who are all cheering for every rider first to last. Well by the time I'm coming up people are packing up their cars and ready to getting ready to move on, but then they hear the from the crowds below that there's a rider coming and they're like, Oh, Still <laughs> The drunks at the Dutch
0: Corner were like, All right, party's gonna keep
1: going Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so you just you just get immersed in this vortex of of sweat and your own breath and your heart heartbeat mired mired in, in this deafening noise of people cheering for you and pouring water on your head and slapping you on the back and it's one of the most amazing sensations and so i came up and came around the last turn and i didn't know where i stood but as i've told the story it it appeared to me like they were lowering the scaffolding but but i sprinted in nonetheless and ducked my head under the scaffolding and Jim Okowitz, who's now the manager of BMC, was then the manager of our Team 7-11, had waited for me. And I just collapsed in his arm. And I didn't, couldn't think I just spent every amount of energy I had just getting to the finish line. And Jim waits and lets me collect my breath a little bit and then he whispers in my ear two minutes you made it by two minutes and that and that two minutes has proved really pivotal to me now because there's so much about parkinson's that you lose that you lose control of, of how your body functions and so you struggle to get through the day but I know when push comes to shove that, A, I have a great team like I did then. Now I have Connie and and my family and friends and my kids, Taylor and Kelsey, looking out for me. But I know I have it in me to make the time limit and get through this journey with Parkinson's with dignity and grace.
0: As you said you know it wasn't in your nature back then uh, to quit and that you had identified for yourself what what victory was going to mean to you it wasn't going to be victory in the stage but for you it was going to be okay let's get to the feed zone and then it was no wait I'm gonna make it to the finish line and that was your that was your personal victory you know the Davis Finney Foundation has a, a saying that that every victory, counts. The ways in which people define victory for themselves is is really important and really powerful. Yeah, I
2: think the hardest thing in the world is that everybody associates victory with only winning, you mm-hmm.
0: know, and, or at the expense of other people.
2: Yeah, and at the expense of other people whereas, you know, we look at it really as just, you know, rising to the challenges in front of you and also just really enjoying the accomplishment. And I think that's one thing that gets really lost too and that's one of the things we resonate the most with the Sufferlandrian community is everybody's um, ability to push themselves mm-hmm. but also to enjoy, you know, that their ability to push you know and and not to take it for granted because that's something that we're not all able to do you know and and so so part of the the joy and I mean we tell our kids are both elite athletes but you know for us it's like you're not going to be successful if you don't love what you do and if you judge yourself too harshly (laughs) because you know it's give and go every moment you know and you just you know you have to be willing to yeah register the the success when you have it and um and deal with the defeat too because there's certainly a lot of that out there Mm -hmm. you know but we're not easily defeated and finnies don't seem to give out much so (laughs) not Not in their
0: nature you're not racing against other people ultimately it's You're you're pushing yourself. You're saying what how how far can I go? How far can I push myself? What's going to make me proud of what I've accomplished? Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah and certainly if you get Davis Finney to the end of a bike race, he's going to try to beat everybody. <laughs> I can
0: but... you with the line. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but at the same time, it's um, but that's just you know it's it's mastery. It's mastery of what you're doing and how you're doing it and uh, and kind of revel- reveling in your body's capacity to master. You know, whether it's cycling or, or other um, areas that you're interested in. And, and you know, the main thing in, in life as a human is just to be passionate about something. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, those of us passionate about cycling, um, it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to go out and enjoy that. Um, and Davis and I both still enjoy that, but definitely on a... Much more toned down level. Because <laughs>
0: mastery isn't a destination, it's it's a journey. Right, it's, you can never yeah. get to the end and say, All right, dust off your hands and say, I've done, I'm done, I've I learned everything right. I can learn.
2: Yeah, and I think with us, um, you know, with cycling, you're always learning. And it's like in life, you're always learning. And if you stop learning, really stop living you know and I think that um, and it really uh, embodies what we do with the foundation too is just helping people you know from, to live with their day to day challenges and when you have a neurological condition you don't have control over a lot and so that which you can control uh, is so important and do more than make the best of it you know actually thrive under those conditions is uh, is what's pretty remarkable about it. I think what we try to do for people and the kind of feedback we get back from people with parkinson's is is really pretty amazing too
0: are there particular strategies either that you guys bring from your careers as as professional athletes or that you bring from your experience, your personal experiences with with parkinson's you try to impart to people who are going through those those same challenges
2: You know, I would say from a caregiver standpoint, I think that the one thing I can say to a group of caregivers is, I know you can do this, (laughs) you know, and have a good time doing it. And so um, I think that's a big thing that we impart, is the confidence to live well with um, any given situation.
1: Well, the upbeat attitude, you know, going through life with a smile on our faces, and smiling can be a challenge for people with Parkinson's. But more than that, I think that I one thing that I've this this disease has taught me well and enforced upon Connie first and foremost is patience. I mean I used to go through life wanting to get to the end of any any endeavor as quickly as I could just with 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 the with the overarching motivation that if I got to the finish line of whatever it was, more than likely I was going to win, and and he in this in this phase of my life, the finish line is is very amorphous. It's not determined in the way that it once was. But getting through the day takes an inordinate amount of effort and struggle, or can, but that doesn't get me out of getting dressed, or doing the dishes, or doing basic chores, or or going to the DPF office, or answering emails. It's just that people have to understand that it takes me a lot longer than it does them, and and. Uh, And so I learned that there's a a Zen to taking my time because I I have no choice. That's not to say to feel, to bring pity on myself. It's just a challenge. So I look at living with Parkinson's as a set of challenges. And if I can overcome them, then those are big victories. But within the big victories, there's lots of little victories to be found. And that's just appreciation of life. You know, to having a good cup of coffee, having a good meal, having a good conversation.
0: It sounds like your idea of victory has evolved and it seems like being in the moment now is is a lot more enjoyable.
1: Well, well I used to love being in the moment as a sprinter. Mm-hmm especially because I had to be, but it was only in the last 10 or 20 kilometers of a race where if you were building towards a bunch finish, you'd have to be absolutely present to not make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And, and those were the best moments of my career in terms of the most electric. And when I did everything right, I put it all together than I could win. It's almost the reverse of that because I'm not in the moment at speed out of necessity for having a catastrophic accident. It's more out of necessity for not falling over or, or maintaining my balance. It's a different kind of moment to moment, but that doesn't mean those moments are any less rich.
2: It's very easy when you have Parkinson's disease to find yourself isolated and sitting on a couch. Right. And that's no way to live. And so, you know, the best thing we can do is encourage people to get out. I mean, some people can literally not walk, you know, they can't put it together. But if they put headphones on and listen to music, something about the music in their brain allows them to move. And so, you know, it's just like giving people um, different tools to try to see what works. And surprisingly, for some reason, cycling, actually really benefits people with Parkinson's, and they find that after um, being on a bike, you know, a lot of the sy- symptoms dissipate. Mm-hmm. It's a drug.
0: Cycling <laughs> is a drug. <laughs> We've known that for years.
2: Yes. It's and legal. So, but, you know, and you, you can really see it. And the fact that you can actually rega- regain, and I think so often in our medical community, people are diagnosed with an illness or a disease, and we're told to rest and take it easy. And I think what Davis would say is, uh, you know, we, they they people with Parkinson's can't afford to wait. You can't afford to be passive. Right. And um, I realize that the Sufferlandian community is not a passive community. My
3: word.
2: <laughs> so and so, you know, I. I it, but but it's easy to become passive when you're faced with a disease like Parkinson's.
1: We are very proud of the fact we being the Davis Finney Foundation. It was through our efforts largely that that the landscape with Parkinson's has changed and people are finally being encouraged to get out and exercise and and as as a means of of actually improving their symptom load. Yeah.
0: So we've been doing the tour now, this is the, the fifth year that we've done a, a fundraiser for the Davis Finney Foundation. Just so you can give the Suffer Landryans listening out there just some kind of a context of what the tour means in in the broader context of, of the work that you do with the, the Foundation.
2: It's a very unique approach. Um, to kind of, uh, first of all, collective suffering, which seems to really um, grab a lot of people uh, right where it counts, because it keeps you going, right? And, um, and misery loves company. Yeah. Misery loves, well, no, it's not even misery, it's like the joy of suffering, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but it's also the collective fundraising and um, kind of spurring each other on and, and giving what you can. And it's, you know, to raise this much money, to, dollars at a time is you know over a hundred thousand dollars we'll end up you know putting on a what we call our victory summits which are you know gatherings of people that come together and um you know get have a full day of um education around their parkinson's for the for the medical community the caregiver community and the people with parkinson's Uh, this this one week event that we're that we're doing here will fund a whole victory summit and all the information that comes out of that, that then, so we're not only to the 500 or 1,000 people that will come to that victory summit, for example, the next one's in Florida. So you can look at every raffle ticket that, every, you know, someone buys as being a little pebble in a pond that's just, you know, rippling out and, and affecting people in such a positive way because it allows us to do the work of bringing this positive message to people with Parkinson's and and allowing them to um, to really live well today with with the challenges that they have. In front of us and I think too that that we're an altruistic kind of you know species we like to give we like to give back and um, and I hope everybody in Srolandria knows how much they've given of themselves um, to the Parkinson's community because it really uh, and I, I, it makes a difference, and we all want to make a difference in the world. So, you know, I think that um, what um, David McQuillan's done with, with the Tour of Sufferlandria and, and the focus on the fundraising um, without taking away from the riders has just been an amazing um, boon for us um, at the Davis Finney Foundation. Well,
1: and what I love about the community is that you know when you are in that dark place, you're not alone. Yeah. That there's others out there doing the same workout and suffering in their own way, just the way you are. So, Sufferlandrians, thank you. <laughs> your suffering has not gone unnoticed. We
2: or honor unappreciated.
1: your suffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we honor you greatly.
0: Well, thank you, guys. Uh, it's been an amazing experience to come here and to take part in the tour with you guys and just to, to see that sense of community that, that you've built and that we've built uh, together. It's really inspiring, and we look forward to doing it again next year.
2: Yeah, in much appreciated. Thank you. thank you.
0: Davis Finney and Connie Carpenter Finney, this has been Everybody Hurts, the podcast from the Nine Hammers Tavern here in beautiful Agonia. Until next time... Have I suffered today? (laughs) Yes. More than you.